0: Sarah actually preached my sermon <clears throat> when she said, "How you see yourself?" Because the title that I came up with was, "What image is in your lens?" It's so important what you allow to stay in your head. And um, today, I was, as I was preparing, I had these. In fact, I preached the sermon to Nick Cavillo, one of my roommates. Uh, this afternoon, I was super excited, and then I got to went and laid down for a minute, and when I got up, uh, God was like, oh, you can forget that part, and we'll delete that, and you need to put... So, this is pretty raw. I was looking at our pulpit, and I was thinking, that is so apropos because Mike Malat, who is a master, made us an awesome pulpit. It looks super cool, and we broke one piece of it. And we haven't replaced it, which kind of tells you our priorities around here, (laughs) which is more people than things. And I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, that is so apropos for us right now. It's just, uh, I mean, it kind of looks industrial cool, but it it still has splinters on it. And God's doing something in epic life that's brand new. He's doing something in my life that's brand new. Uh, I did something this week that, that I've never done before. I told Eric tonight when he came in, he told me something. And I leaned over and said, we've been doing this for nine years, and we're still having this much fun. Because a lot of people who work together for a long time in ministry, it ain't that much fun. And um, this, this week, uh, he was on the calendar to preach. Hey, Matt. <laughs> and um, um, I texted him on Tuesday about noon, and I'm like, do you know what you're going to preach on? Do you have your sermon ready? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, great because I had this feeling, and finally at 6.30, right when I started facilitating Christ's life, I was like, okay, I need to get this out, and I go, I think I'm supposed to preach, and then I put the phone down, because I had to start right then, and I pick it up after Christ's life, and he's like, go for it, so this is uh, what I feel like, it's, it's really piggybacking on last week, because if you missed last week, <clears throat> we talked about breakthrough, I also talked about 2017, and the fact that I'm ramping up now to have the best year I've ever had next year. Doesn't mean the rest of this year is not going to be good, because it is. But I want to have an awesome year in 2017. And I had a young friend tell me recently, you don't wait until January 1 to have those days. You prepare for them now. So we were never supposed to need break- breakthrough. Never. Never. We were designed with the directive of Genesis 128. And the Holy Spirit just gave me this today. And uh, somebody prayed it today during pre-service prayer too. It was so funny. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subjugate it, putting it under your power. That was the charge that God gave Adam. But Adam and Eve allowed Satan to manipulate them into a different picture. Because they had all the power they needed. The only power that we'll ever have is through relationship. That's it. But you know, Satan, the snake, talked to Eve, and if Adam had been in the place he would have should have been, he wouldn't have had. Ac- uh, Satan would have, would not have had access to Eve. So lest the men believe that women. Uh, had the conversation, and that's how things really went down. Adam was weak when he should have been strong. And Eve, they got seduced into this thought that we can be like God. And the Satan, he didn't say anything blatant, and that's how the enemy is. You know, he'll go, he'll, he'll tell you, ask you just little simple questions. Has God really said that? You think he'd really do that to you? He's a loving God. That could never happen. That wouldn't be like him. And pretty soon you're off doing something. You got no business doing. Because God's a loving God and blah, blah, blah. And so Eve gave up. And Adam gave up the intimacy that they had. And they also gave up when they they chose to try to be like God. They, they gave up their, the child status that they had with God. They were sons and daughters. God gave them authority. And so many times we reach for authority in ways that will not actually bring us that authority. Because as soon as they gave it up, they started putting fig leaves on places that they didn't want people to look Jesus said that we have to become like a little child. And the reason he said that is because that's how he created Adam and Eve. Talk about transparency, they didn't wear a thing. (laughs) But whenever they began to reach for control, then they began to put fig leaves on and cover themselves. And so they began to lose their authority because they tried to manage their appearance. God actually has the power to use control and relationship with us. But he refuses to. And yet, when we feel insecure, we have so many ways that we try to control what people think of us. You know, if you're from the hood, you know how to throw your chest. Or... You know, use your mouth. Uh, If you're really good looking and you have a great body, it's easy to use your charisma, your personality, your sexuality. You know, if you have a lot of money, you can buy a lot of possessions. All those things and those don't control. Everyone sees right past all those things that we try to do to control what people think about us. They see us. And God's been giving me some breakthrough, and because he's been telling me things about myself. Holy Spirit's always telling you things about yourself. If you've developed the right kind of life, people are telling you things about yourself. But you have to choose that life. We're kind of like uh, the Israelites when they left Egypt. In Exodus 13, one day they were slaves, stinky, sweaty. And the next day, they, it, it says in Exodus 13 and 14, it says they left with silver, gold, and clothing. The word says they plundered the Egyptians because God actually did some miracles and scared the Egyptians so bad that they were like, just go just go so you can you imagine like being uh israelite one day you're stinking and the next day you're like walking down the street if you plunder that means they have no choice so on my way out of town i'm like uh could you stand up stand up uh i think i want that toga can you take that toga off and give that to me thank you and then that gold chain uh give me that gold chain Put that in my pocket. I'm feeling all bad because I'm plundering. I'm in charge. When you plunder, you're in charge. That's how they left town, rolling out in that Jaguar chariot. (laughs) They hit the big time. And then they get up to the Red Sea. God did ten miracles and set them free. They had been slaves for over 400 years. They get up to the Red Sea, and there ain't no bridge And this is what they said to Moses, cracked me up. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened of the people they had plundered just the day before. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? bringing us out of Egypt. is this? They're standing there and all the stuff they stole on the way out of town. <laughs> Shameless. Is this not the word that we, listen, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? Whiners. Total whiners. That's so unbecoming. <laughs> but that's how we are as believers. You know, somebody stands at the front, and they're like, if you come to Jesus, if you'll just come to Jesus, everybody, everybody close your eyes. This is what they do. Y'all don't close your eyes. What? Everybody close your eyes because we wouldn't embarrass anyone. We want all your hearts to be, feel safe. We wouldn't want you to put yourself on the line or actually become a real christian but we have numbers here we need to get conversion so if everybody will shut your eyes because we want you all to be comfortable okay if you'll come to jesus he'll make your life complete he'll take away all your tears your burdens will be rolled away your life will never be the same and so we're like i'll do that that sounds like a great deal So we kind of slide down, and then he goes, okay, you can open your eyes, and the whole crowd claps for you, right? Because you're a new Christian. And then he tells you, you're a new creation. You're like, that is a good deal. It's kind of like I've got $40,000 in credit card debt, and you tell me, clean. You're a new creation. And so the next day you go to work. And you get fired, because you've been sleeping on the job. And it's like, I thought I was a new creation. What in the world happened to me? (laughs) And you go home, and your girlfriend lets you know she's done. She's found somebody else, because you're a creep to date. You're like, oh my gosh. And I'm going to go, she obviously doesn't have any discernment. I'm a new creation. (laughs) And so you go out on the back porch and sit down. And you whistle, and your dog has run off. (laughs) He doesn't know you're a new creation either. (laughs) And then you figure out, God lies. (laughs) He said I was going to be a new creation. And evidently, he's the only one who thinks so. Well... How we see ourselves and honestly at our starting place, figuring out where we are in our starting place, and figuring out an ability to covenant with God is everything. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that, but first I want to play you a short video. So, hit it, Derek. There
1: I was at church one day and the speaker that day was um, was different. I just sat there with tears in my eyes learning about this ministry that was revolutionizing the planet. I'm talking of course about Millennial International. (laughs) The need is enormous. There are over 10 million Millennials out there who have graduated with no work ethic, no job, no discernible skills at all, and they have expenses, housing, student loans, credit card debt, and I didn't really realize the magnitude of the problem until I looked into the eyes of the woman, and I saw that face with the, the dead, nothing's happening up here kind of thing, so I went out to the booth after the service, and I talked with the guy, and he really informed me about the devastation that's not being able to fund a millennial lifestyle. Core Power Yoga. Birch Box for Men. I looked over all the envelopes and my heart was really touched when I saw this one particular fellow that I, I just had to get more information about him. He was Declan from Beverly Hills. I am an aspiring photographer. I graduated college with an art degree, so obviously that puts me at a disadvantage. <laughs> Beard Wax. Spotify Premium. In his last letter, he wrote to me and said that his uh, weekend was, oh, how do you put it? Um, totes lit fam. Literally have no idea what that means. Uh, pet food for my rescue dog. Uber home from a pub crawl. A typical sponsorship program costs $29 a month. Millennial International is actually $2,900 a month. Yeah, it seems expensive at first, but when you see the need, it is so worth. Trunk club subscription. Essential oils. <laughs> Annual pilgrimage to Bethel Church. <laughs> it's the same as a traditional sponsorship program. Except instead of getting you know, a soccer ball for his birthday, he's getting an out Am I capable of having a job? Sure, but I just feel like maybe employment right now would just kind of be stifling my creativity. <laughs> Through the sponsorship program, they actually set up a chance for us to meet each other in person. I brought him an apple pie that my wife had baked for him, but I totally forgot he's gluten-free. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've seen food ink, so I don't eat the traditional meals like everybody else. For breakfast, I usually do like some kombucha juice. He really didn't have much energy that week. And it turns out, you know, he was on a juice class. And I wanted to respect that. My wish for Declan, oh gosh, uh, that he would realize his potential in life, that he would be better, achieve more. I've been getting blue ribbons and participation trophies my whole life. What do you expect? For me, if it wasn't for the program, I'd have to get a job. Or worse, start a GoFundMe. Many of these kids in traditional sponsorship programs are fighting diseases like malaria, pneumonia, tuberculosis. And these millennials have the same struggle. Peanut allergies, pollen sensitivity, lactose intolerance. Kids in Africa are getting typhoid. Declan was recently diagnosed. tennis elbow i was originally paying vision and eye care insurance for him but it turns out his eyeglasses weren't even real to me you can't put a price on. join me in sponsoring a millennial today and help us help us help us help us us live the lives we portray on instagram
0: If you're offended, I'm glad you are. <laughs> I saw that and I was cracking up. But that's actually how a lot of the world looks at millennials. And I totally disagree with that. Because I know a whole bunch of millennials who are absolutely committed to making a difference. And I want that number to grow. And so that's why I'm talking about what I'm talking about. Um, Before you can truly achieve any breakthrough, you have to know exactly where you are. And we, we will do anything to keep from telling each other the truth. Anything. We'll stay with a boyfriend You should have ditched that dude a year. You just wasted a freaking year of your life dating somebody you shouldn't be with. And you know it. We'll put up with friends who treat us horrid. We'll have a boss that'll talk to us like we're trash. And we'll just keep showing up. I would hate to fill out an application anywhere because I might have to move and leave all my friends. Those people aren't your friends, they're your (laughs) co-employees. And if they are your friend, they know you need to move and they'll still be your friend when you're gone. But that's how we think. I actually brought you some handouts tonight. No, I'm not gonna pass them out yet. But they are, one of them is called My Child. Some of you already have it. If you don't, they're all back there under first time, come here go there, there's one for you. I read my child out loud to myself because it reminds me of who I am. One of them is called orphan mentality. Go through it. Everything that you feel like, oh, that might apply to me, and some of you have been around a long time, you should do a little refresher. Because I find when I read it, I still see stuff. And if you don't, let's go to coffee. But we all have orphan stuff. The Holy Spirit's been pointing out my orphan stuff lately at an alarming rate. (laughs) I'm trying to get to everything I can see before y'all figure it out, and I don't get to speak here anymore. (laughs) And then I brought godly character traits, and this is a really powerful, powerful sheet. So they're all back there under the surfboard. I thought about passing them out, and one of the guys that I talked to about it said, no, if they want it, they can go and get it. So if you want it, Go and get it. Some of the orphan behavior that the Lord's been showing me, you know, I've been talking to you guys about my uh, dad told me he wanted me to start being more serious about finding a wife. One of the things that the Holy Spirit brought to my attention, and then I mentioned it to somebody, was if a woman that I think is really attractive starts walking towards me or for any reason, you know, shows me attention, I'll, like, drop my eyes or look away. It looks really casual, but it's a way to keep from making eye contact. And so this week I'm at uh, coffee at Starbucks and a woman is going this way and she's going to the bathroom. She wasn't my type necessarily, but she was attractive. And I'm like, you know what what was said to you. So when she walked by, I gave her a direct eye gaze. She smiled at me because I think she did like me a little bit. And I (laughs) smiled back. And then she went to the bathroom. When she came back out, I looked at her her again, she was looking at me again. And so I smiled again, and she gave me a big smile, and then she went on by. Now why would I humiliate myself to tell you that story? I mean, I'm 61, you would think I would have learned how to flirt before now. But I actually kind of suck at that. Because some of you need to learn to do the same thing. I'll give you another example. Uh, Sometimes when I go into um, places where big names are speaking, I'll kind of hold back. I'm not a guy who walks up and thinks everybody should know me because I'm so special. I'll, you know, I'm content to stay in the background. Now, If I have a son or daughter, I make sure they meet them and then I fade like that. So last Tuesday, I was at um, the Upper Room, Uh, not Tuesday, we could go Thursday, I was at the Upper Room, and there was a big name there. And I went up, uh, and I also had, he's been there like three or four times, and I always kind of felt like he was unfriendly, just his facial expression. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, it'd be great if you approached him. I was like, all right. So I go up to him. And I said, uh, Mark, I'm really glad that you're here. I said, you know, you have a gentle wisdom that changes every environment you walk into. And his whole demeanor changed. It was like he melted. And he was like, thank you so much. Now I'm gonna ask you guys, how do you do that? Is it your boss? Is it that hot girl you wish you had the guts to talk to? How do you do that? At the end of the meeting, Holy Spirit was like, you need to go up and ask him to pray for you. That is not like me. I'm like, all right. I went up and had him pray for me. And he prayed a prophetic word over my life that was so dead on. And this morning, Holy Spirit told me that that's for our whole ministry, so I'm going to play it for you at the end because I believe it applies to you as well. Um, Romans 12.2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, that is not uh, some verse that you memorize and you don't know what to do with it. Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you've got community, you're getting truth that will set you free if you wanna be free. Revelation is an invitation. Revelation is an invitation. But that's all it is. You gotta show up for the party if you want it to mean anything to you. And when you show up to the party, you got to do the work. You got to have your party clothes on. You have to look like you're there to party. So I want to talk to us a little bit today because I hear a lot of people. There was a community a couple of years ago. I literally got to where I almost, I couldn't stand. I called it the P word. Let me say what the P word is. Processing. I got so sick and tired of people from that whole community. I mean, you go, hey, what about doing this? Oh, I'm I'm in a season. (laughs) Snore, season of processing. So when I get that processed and I really understand my heart and all my needs, I might be open to doing that again, but I just feel like I'm not supposed to do anything. And don't get me wrong, there are times for that. I've had those times. But I just want to encourage you that processing needs to be done with God. It's not you just getting in touch with your feelings. I get in touch with my feelings because that's not my strong suit. I literally, I get myself in trouble sometimes because I'll keep doing things when I should sit down and go, how do I feel about this? Or I'll stay in a relationship sometimes or allow people to do things to me and because I want to be loyal and consistent and I should have like drop kicked them. You know? Processing is, it's so valuable. It's absolutely necessary. But you need to do it in the context of God and community. Sometimes we have problems Uh, we have a a brother printer in our house. It belongs to Nick, and it's the only printer we have. I've gone online, and for those of you who know me well, you know how desperately I wanted to get the drivers for this printer because I have spent like an hour online trying to get these drivers. I've pounded the table. I've said things Christians shouldn't. (laughs) I'm sick of it. And yesterday, I finally told Nick, you've got to help me with this stupid printer. I'm sick of it because I have to print my notes tomorrow night. and I don't know how I'm going to get it done. And he goes, oh. Well, and he runs upstairs, gets what I need, has a little piece of equipment, plugs it in. And in three minutes, I had the drivers on my laptop. (laughs) That's how a bunch of us are. You know, when people are standing around you, they know you have some kind of problem because you feel a little, seem a little frustrated, but they don't know what it is because you ain't talking because you got all your fig leaves. You know, like, hmm, I got a fig leaf here over my ear because that looks pretty, and I got a fig leaf here, and and people can't tell. I know they have a problem, but they look so good on Facebook, and Instagram, oh, 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 And have you seen their Periscopes? Snapchats, they got the happiest Snapchats in the world. They're an amazing person. No, you ain't. Move your fig leaves. <laughs> Let somebody see who you are. Because if you don't, you're going to be 61 and you never learn to flirt. <laughs> don't be stupid. Stupid hurts. Okay. So, a lot of times, God actually wants to propel you into doing something for him. Uh, There's a group of us young adult pastors in town, and we've been together for three years around an event. And two weeks ago, I told Chad, I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. And he goes, why not? So, I told him some reasons. I thought they were really, really good reasons. And I said, And I'm the only person my age, everybody else is in their 20s, early 30s. And he goes, you got to stay. And I'm like, why? He says, because you're the only father in the group. And so he's one of the people that when he tells me stuff like that, and Eric would be another one, and my sister Sherry's another one, there's actually six people like that in my life. I'm like, all right. So I went to the meeting this Tuesday. Literally everything that I've wanted to see happen to that group happened in an hour and 15 minutes. I came out of it with a completely different commitment, and I saw the value. And there was one person in the group that I felt uncomfortable with. And I had consistently felt uncomfortable with them for a while. And literally the dynamic of it completely shifted. I have no clue what happened. I simply stayed. So I, wanna, I want us to work through uh, Hebrews 12. And those of you who have the handouts, if you could hand those out. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. But some of you are like me, you're visuals. And I have to see it or I can't really get it. This is out of the Passion Bible. Just pass them out real quick, you guys. Don't try to make it pretty. I want to just walk you through the word in the Passion Bible. It's so powerful. Hebrews 12, it talks about we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who burst faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. My footnote says he's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That's you. Jesus knew, knows you. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation. And he now sits at the right hand of God. We don't really know what it's like to look someone in the face, look at their character, see their life, and go, I covenant with you. I had someone tell me this week, you know, if you're going to have a spiritual father, you should know them inside and out, clear to the skin, before you give them that position. And so I really processed that. (laughs) And tonight, when I was getting ready, Holy Spirit was like, you look at the fruit of their life and you see what's happening that you can see in their life. And then you covenant because the intimacy comes after the covenant. If I ran my life, my relationship with God, like that young person said to me, I would never have a relationship with God because I didn't know him when I started when I covenanted with him. If you get someone and they all they bring you is destruction, back up. But you're never gonna know somebody to the skin. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? That means those who were their own stumbling block. And so I would submit to you, the pictures in your head that don't match your destiny, you're gonna have to remove those pictures. And no one can do that for you because no one can see your photo album. You're not gonna see it if you keep running from truth. I don't let just anybody speak into my life. But if nobody speaks into your life, you got a problem. Sometimes people can't speak into your life because they don't know you. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures, forgetting your destiny. That's the purpose of evaluating the pictures in your photo album. Why do you keep dating a girl that you should never date and your relationship never goes anywhere? Because somewhere that's all you believe you're worth. After all, you've not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? This is what you have to remember. All breakthrough is going to come in the context of sitting on your daddy's lap. And anybody who makes you feel like you don't belong there is not a person who should be speaking into your life. That does not mean that you will feel comfortable. Because when my truth, when my lies get confronted I do not feel comfortable in fact I don't even like it and in fact if I'm close to you I'll let you know straight up like shut up or why would you say that or in Chad's case you're kidding me why do I have to stay because and then he gave me the truth and I'm like okay i got to do that. My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. If he's not correcting you, if you're not letting him correct you, you're not letting him tell you how valuable you are. Because if you don't know where you are, you can't change anything. So until you really get a clue as to where you currently are, you can't walk forward. Because you don't know where you are. (laughs) I know. I'm really deep. For the Lord's training of your life is evidence of his faithful love. One of my daughters told me recently, you are relentless. And I was like, thank you. Because so is God. Nobody loves me like God. I have amazing people who love me but I'll fall down, and he's like, get up, get up. Sometimes he'll go, "Uh, don't sit in that pigsty. That's not where you belong. Your destiny's different. He's like, stand still while I hose you off. And sometimes he's like, hose yourself off. You're the one who accepted that lie. Break that lie off your life. All right, that's called growing up. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love, And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. I don't care what's been spoken over you tonight. You are a delightful child, you are precious to him. I don't care what's happened to you at church. You are a delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? I just encourage you guys, like, begin to ask Holy Spirit, help me to see this right. Because I have a dream, and it's getting so strong inside of me, about Sacramento. It's not just epic life. I believe that we can change our city. There's a level of unity among the young adult pastors I have never seen, ever. So I believe that as we begin to do this and sit on daddy God's lap and let him speak to us about ourselves and we start coming together with other people because we're all doing that. When I say all, all of us leaders we're doing it. It's got to trickle down. We'll see God do some things in Sacramento that will, can change our country. And I believe that because what happens in Sacramento goes out. This is the capital, it goes out into California. What happens in California goes out into our country. And so it's no, the decisions you make are not small. My decisions are not small. I actually had a daughter who came to me one night here in worship, had no clue and still doesn't where I was actually at. Very, very dark place that night. And she said, whatever wilderness you are in, you have to come completely out of it so that we all follow you and we come out of it as well. Now, I had a choice at that point. Who do you think you are? You ain't even half my age. Don't you know I'm a leader here? No. I'm not doing that. I know the fruit of her life, and I know how much she loves me. I took that home, and I made that thing a weapon inside of myself. And I'm like, God, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be here in this dark place. But you sent my daughter to tell me who I can be. And so I put those words like a sword in my hand. And I began to wield that and ask Holy Spirit, how do I do this? And he began to give me things. You know why? Because I was intent. I was listening. I want it. And so tonight, I just encourage you, whatever pictures you we're looking at even some of them right now as i'm speaking you're like that white guy doesn't know what it's like to be like me he's not even in my generation i might be cooler than you think i am <laughs> but i just want to encourage you refuse refuse to allow those pictures to determine your destiny reach for truth what is not working in your life ask someone who you trust Isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. And let me speak to something. I didn't actually have a father who made me feel special. My dad loved me dearly. He he did not know how to communicate that. (laughs) And sometimes when he tried, it kind of went the opposite direction. But if you're sitting here tonight and you've been a Christian a year or longer and someone uses the word father or daddy and pain rises up inside of you or you're like, if you knew what my father was like, you need to begin to transform your mind. I say that to you lovingly. Because you will never flourish in the Christian life and you will actually be dead in the water as far as where you're going and your destiny. Until you begin to reconcile who God the Father is completely separate from your Father. The reason I say that to you in mass, I'm not thinking of any of you one by one. So if you wonder if I'm speaking to you, no, I'm not. This is the Holy Spirit. But we have to grow up, and it's your responsibility to take the pictures out that are lies. And sometimes we can't find those pictures. We look through our photo album, and it's like, this is my family. That's why we do Christ Life. That's why we go to coffee with each other. That's why we come into community. Go to DNA. You want friends, you don't have any friends? If you don't show up at DNA and you've been here for three or four months, you don't have friends because you don't want friends yet. This is respect. I'm respecting you. Because I don't talk to people I don't respect. I actually had somebody get in a conversation with me and throw a bunch of things in my face. And I just apologized for everything that upset them. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. (laughs) Why? Why did I back completely off? Because they've shown me, I want to stay exactly right here. And how I'm looking at this is the only way I'm going to look at it. I got mad respect for that. Because I got so many things in my own life. Let me go work on my life. (laughs) But if you want change, if you want something that's different, it says, now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. I'm telling you, if you've ever worked out, if you've ever dieted, if you've ever gone to school for a master's degree, for a PhD, it's no fun. If I go to the gym and I work out like I should, when I leave, I hurt. Sometimes I hurt and I haven't even been to the gym. your character can be transformed. You can have godly character. That's why the, I put that stuff back there. But I put it back there because you need to walk back there and get it if you want it. And if you don't, I'm not offended. Somebody's going to want it, and I'll hang on to it until I get it all passed out because I'm looking for those people. That's why we're having transformation one-to-one tomorrow. Uh, Saturday. Thank you. Because <laughs> we're going to get more intimate, more real there about these very things. So be made strong even in your weakness. And I guess this, is, this would be my ending salutation to you. A lot of times I'll tell you guys, worship. If you come in and you're really tired and you had the most horrible day in your life, worship. Worship. There's nothing that pisses the enemy off, oh, there's nothing that ticks the enemy off more (laughs) than you worshiping. He's worked all day long to get you to walk in here and be a noob. (laughs) Sit on a chair. My life is so bad. Stand up and sing these songs. Get done with those songs. And Eric Knopf, why won't he shut? How long does he use so many verses? Oh, my God, I've heard all this. before. And then you go home because check You went to Epic Life. I'm not making fun of anybody, but if I'm offending you, that's you. Deal with yourself. You didn't even have to pay for coffee, and you got some truth. Be free. Sometimes I'll walk in here, and I had the kind of day that makes me like, why am I a Christian? I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to process it. I don't even have to think about it. When worship starts, I don't care if worship is horrible. I'm like worshiping. I'm raising my arms. I'm thinking about the words. Because you can't think, you can't look at all those bad photos in your photo album and sing a song. I sing it with my brain. And the more that I declare the truth over my life, even if it seems like I'm stupid, like, you're a good, good father, do you know the kind of day I had? That's the way you treat your kids? Who's going to come? No. No, I declare truth over my life because I'm building a muscle. And I'm determined to come out of that wilderness. So whatever wilderness you're in, you may be a really intellectual Christian, and God never really hits your heart, ask Holy Spirit, why? I actually have a counseling appointment Monday. Why? Because I'm growing. There's no shame in that. I've talked to a couple of people about counseling before, and they're like, I would never do that. These problems are not that serious. Really? (laughs) They look serious to me, but hey, it's you that lives with it, not me, so enjoy that. Be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in praise and worship, prayer and worship, and strengthen your weak knees. Nobody can strengthen your weak knees but you. But the more that you strengthen your weak knees, they'll get stronger. As you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. So stand, if you will. The worship band can come up. I know I kept you a little bit longer, and uh, I'm unapologetic. (laughs) Because if you will simply just consider some of the things and ask Holy Spirit, how does this apply to me? I don't care how old you are. I don't care what shape you're in. I don't care what your shape is. I don't care how intelligent, how well-educated you are. My dad said to me last week, I'm 82 and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Dad Tar, how do I need to grow so that I can do what I need to do in this next season? And I'm like, that's who I wanna be like when I'm 82 years old. I'm working on it now. I want you guys to be powerhouses and every one of you can be. When you're my age, I want you to be wielding a sword in the spirit realm that scares the heaven out of the demonic when you get up in the morning so if our prayer uh, prayer team can come up thank you so much for coming tonight if you need friends hang out at the back we'd love to talk to you if you need prayer come up front we'd love to minister to you and we will uh, see you next thursday in here so thank you very much for coming i want to pray over you before you leave father we just thank you for revelation But, God, revelation is only revelation. It's just an invitation, and I pray, God, that you would give every single person within the sound of my voice the courage, the strength, the tenacity, the stamina, the determination to take it and do something with it, God. I pray, Lord, there'd be revelation on these handouts as they look over them, that they would begin to get revelation and then direction on what to do with that revelation. I break the power of hopelessness and despair off all of your lives. I break the power of intellectualism off your lives. And I pray that you would have a new revelation of the love of God for you. In Jesus' name, amen.